Hello, Lee. Hello, Charlie. How are you? Very good, thank you. Very good. Uh, shall we welcome the listeners, Lee? Hello, listeners. Welcome to 2050 Miles of Poetry with me, Lee. And me, Charlie, from London. And from Helsinki. Nice to have you joining Super. us on this beautiful day. Is it beautiful, Lee? No, it's uh, gale force winds and rain here at the moment, having snowed in the morning. Oh, 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 delightful. Yes. Well, um, I've, I've been having quite a surreal experience look, looking out my window and moving uh, very rarely. I've seen quite a few birds. Really? <laughs> there have been some luminous green parakeets. Uh, so this is, are you finding this weird thing whenever you look out the window? Supposedly, I've been reading loads online that um, many very dense cities are having animals take over mm. the city. So there are parakeets everywhere in London, clearly. And uh, any wild bears in Helsinki? or Just the standard <laughs> Have you heard squirrels any tales? and naked neighbours. Naked neighbours, yeah. wow, that's a bit much. <laughs> <laughs> You've got to keep an eye out for naked neighbours. Oh, and no. you do see more of them during lockdown as well. So Similar <laughs> so phenomenon. So they're not trying to conserve fuel. No. <laughs> Fuck that. Yeah. Excuse me. <laughs> we'll beat that out. <laughs> But regardless of the weather, we're here to share some poetry and we're each going to read a poem or two to you today to help you cope with this time. And us. And us, and us as well. Yeah, mainly us. Mainly us. <laughs> mainly us. Uh, and the one I've chosen though isn't really a coping one, so I'm really hoping that you're going to bring the happiness. I'm going to take us on a downer and then I'm hoping that you're going to bring us back up again so the podcast is a real journey this time. Yeah, hopefully a bit like this pandemic, it'll soon be over. <laughs> yeah, uh, the poem I wrote. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> well, I don't think it's going to be that quick. It's by oh, far wow. the longest one I've chosen. But okay, here we go. So it's called Darkness and it's by Lord Byron and it was written in 1816. And it was also uh, written in reaction to world events at the time because they had an, an unusually dark summer that year and it was known mm. as the uh, the year without a summer. Wow. And now they know it was because there was a volcano in Indonesia that was spewing ash across the world and it came to Europe. But no one in Europe knew that that was the reason. They just thought they were having this weird weather phenomenon. Actually, they thought that it was the apocalypse. So he wrote this... Um, he wrote this... It's a very thematic, really, Lee. Yeah. He wrote this poem in response. So here we go. I had a dream, which was not all a dream. The bright sun was extinguished, and the stars did wander darkling in the eternal space. Rayless and pathless, and the icy earth swung blind and blackening in the moonless air. Morn came and went, and came, and brought no day. And men forgot their passions in the dread. Of this their desolation and all hearts were chilled into a selfish prayer for light. And they did live by watchfires, and the thrones, the palaces of crowned kings, the huts, the habitations of all things which dwell, were burned for beacons. Cities were consumed, and men were gathered round their blazing homes to look once more into each other's face. Happy were those who dwelt within the eye of the volcanoes, and their mountain torch, a fearful hope, 
was all the world contained. Forests were set on fire, but hour by hour they fell and faded, and the crackling trunks extinguished with a crash, and all was black. The brows of men by the despairing light were an unearthly aspect, as by fits the flashes fell upon them. Some lay down and hid their eyes and wept, and some did rest their chins upon their clenched hands and smiled, and others hurried to and fro and fed their funeral piles with fuel, and looked up with mad disquietude on the dull sky, the pool of a past world, and then again with curses cast them down upon the dust, and gnashed their teeth and howled, the wild birds shrieked, and terrified did flutter on the ground, and flapped their useless wings, the wildest brutes came tame and tremulous, and vipers cruelled and twined themselves among the multitude, hissing but stingless, they were slain for food. And war, which for a moment was no more, did glut himself again, a meal was bought with blood, and each sate suddenly apart, gorging himself in gloom, no love was left. All earth was but one thought, and that was death. Immediate and inglorious, and the pang of famine fed upon all entrails, men died, and their bones were tombless as their flesh. The meagre by the meagre were devoured. Even dogs assailed their masters, all save one, and he was faithful to a course, and kept the birds and beasts and famished men at bay, till hunger clung them or the dropping dead lured their lank jaws, Himself sought out no food, but with a piteous and perpetual moan and quick desolate cry, licking the hand which answered not with a caress, he died. The crown was famished by degrees, but two of an enormous city did survive, and they were enemies. They met beside the dying embers of an altar place, where had been heaped a mass of holy things for an unholy usage. They raked up and shivering, scraped with their cold skeleton hands the feeble ashes, and their feeble breath blew for a little life, and made a flame which was a mockery. Then they lifted up their eyes as it grew lighter, and beheld each other's aspects, saw and shrieked, and died. Even of their mutual hideousness they died, unknowing who he was upon whose brow famine had written fiend. The world was void, the populous and the powerful was a lump, a lump of death, a chaos of hard clay. The rivers, lakes and ocean all stood still, and nothing stirred within their silent depths. Ships, sailorless, lay rotting on the sea, and their masts fell down piecemeal as they dropped. They slept on the abyss without a surge. The waves were dead, the tides were in their grave, the moon, their mistress, had expired before. The winds were withered in the stagnant air, and the clouds perished. Darkness had no heed of aid from them. She was the universe. And that's it. Wow. On, on that note of darkness as a woman and as the universe, mm. I thought that um, the best response would be the sun and light oh, that's and blooming and life um so i'm going to just show you Lee, the front cover of this beautiful book mm. which is called the sun and her flowers by rupi gore okay um which is quite wonderful and i'm going to read a couple of poems from 
in response to yours. Um, and then shall we ponder on both of the poems? Yeah, that sounds we'll, great. Let's do that. Okay, super. So um, I think some very beautiful um, scene setting from Byron, but all very um, dark and sombre. And I hoped that we could have something light and uh, fresh, speaking of spring, which is uh, leaping up uh, here in London. And hopefully it will be leaping up soon in Helsinki. Yeah, it's leaping and ducking here. So mm. I think that leaping it will ducking. spring again. <laughs> hopefully, hopefully next week. You know, yeah. you never know. In time for Easter. Yeah. Oh, one thing, though, have... Um, have any of these chocolate bunny rabbits come to Helsinki with the white chocolate face masks? No. Or are they not yet there yet? <laughs> <laughs> that sounds amazing. Yeah, no, I, yeah, I've seen that those are on offer. I don't, I don't know whether you know you should sh- shirk it over Easter or you should embrace it mm. and you know get the white when chocolate face mask. It's two weekends is away. Yeah. Okay, let's hear the joyful poems. Let's hear the joyful poems. Um, So I will start with the poem on the back of the sun and her flowers. This is the recipe of life, said my mother, as she held me in her arms as I wept. Think of those flowers you plant in the garden each year. They will teach you that people too must wilt, full root, rise in order to bloom. That's the first, and then I will delve into this wonderful book, which has um, a couple of different passages. So it goes through um, the wilting, the falling, the rooting, and the rising, and the blooming. And I'm going to read you a poem from Rising Me. Okay. And the wonderful thing about all of these poems is um, when you're least expecting it, Um, On many a page, there's a wonderful uh, pen and ink sketch from the poet herself. Oh, wow. So you get, this really adds to um, the experience of the poem. So perhaps I will describe that afterwards, but they're really beautiful and simple. Great, look forward to it. The orange trees refuse to blossom unless we bloom first. When we met... They wept tangerines. Can't you tell? The earth has waited its whole life for this. Celebration. So this has um, a beautiful tree full of dappled oranges and some laden and falling to the ground across uh, and adjacent to the poem, which is quite enjoyable. And um, when when I heard of your... uh, sad snowing scene in Helsinki and uh, the darkness of the day I just thought of the beautiful luminous oranges on my own kitchen table and the fact that perhaps uh, (laughs) you need some of those in your life when you're next allowed to go to the supermarket (laughs) (laughs) cool so that's one and um, the other I'm going to read what is it with you and sunflowers he asks I point to the field of yellow outside. Some flowers worship the sun, I tell him. Only when it arrives do they rise. When the sun leaves, they bow their heads in mourning. That is the what the sun does to those flowers. It's what you do to me, the sun and her flowers. 
So this, um, I will try and show you that image, Lee. How do you describe it? I'd say there's the most wonderful sun on the left-hand side and it's uh, lovely loose black squiggles. So a very um, almost naive drawing technique, but very personal mm. to the artist. Like it's not, there isn't much perfectionism, but it's really just getting out this feeling of the sun and some squiggly rays. Yeah. And then there are about 15, 16 squiggled sunflowers below just um, dancing up the page, which is quite enjoyable. Yeah, so I, th I think there's just a lot of delight to come from this. Mm. And they're just very ex accessible in their shortness, mm. these poems. It kind of reminds and... me of um, Byron's contemporary, William Blake, and his yes. illustrated uh, poems. Oh, brilliant. Well, maybe he'd, I wonder if you could uh, lift one of those and perhaps we could do a triple feature on this uh, Quickly find a William Blake. Today. Yeah. You find that and I'll read you one more, um, which is uh, the book ends on. And then uh, onto the page, um, there is uh, a graphic illustration of a root. Okay, great. There is nothing left to worry about. The sun and her flowers are here. And beneath this, there um, are three squiggly drawn flowers and a sunshine in the centre, which is quite enjoyable. Mm. So that was Ruby Cole, but I'm going to tell you a little bit about her as well, because she's very interesting. So she is considered an Insta poet. Okay. So I have sent you um, her Instagram, yeah. which is quite it's quite exciting, I think, because obviously Instagram is quite a recent thing. And um, this type of quite accessible art, and she also performs a lot of spoken word, mm. I don't think would be possible in Byron's time, of course, and even less recently than yeah. that, like the last 10 years ago. So it's quite an exciting new form of poetry mm. and spoken word that is short and accessible, and it's mixing different medias, which I think is quite exciting. Yeah. I think that's really interesting in relation to William Blake, isn't it? Because I guess that's kind of what he was doing at the time, but in kind of pamphlet form and etching. And I guess etching was probably quite a new technique at that point. And he had um, he had developed some unique ways of getting colours in etching and things like that. So also at the vanguard of technology, but in kind of, yeah, at the time. I can read a William Blake one quickly. Um Please do that, we want The Tiger. This is from Songs of Experience. Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night. What immortal hand or eye could frame thy fearful symmetry? In what distant deeps or skies burnt the fire of thine eyes? On what wings dare he aspire? What the hand dare seize the fire? And what shoulder and what art could twist the sinews of thy heart? And when thy heart began to beat, what dread hand and what dread feet? What the hammer, what the chain? In what furnace was thy brain? What the anvil, what dread, dread gasp? Dare its deadly terrors clasp? When the stars threw down their spears and watered heaven with their tears, did he smile his work to see? Did he who made the lamb make thee? Tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forests of the night, what immortal hand or eye? 
dare frame thy fearful symmetry. <laughs> That's brilliant. What was it? Do you know what the technique is called where a poet repeats something? That's terrible. I never did English literature. Let's, so I did do English literature, but let's call that repetition. <laughs> <laughs> we'll call that repetition for now. Listeners, we can research that and come back to yeah. it in the notes. But um, I, th- I think that, that the that is so powerful and I love his use of rhyme, but there is a lot within just that simple poem. It's quite self-referential, isn't it? Because The Lamb is one of his other poems from the uh, the the other book that he published, I think, at the same time. So he published Songs of Experience and Songs of Innocence at the same time. And the lamb, which he mentions in this poem, he says, Did he who made, did he who made the lamb make thee? So he's kind of talking to the poem, basically, about himself. Which is, so is that is that a form of self-publicity at that time? Yeah, maybe. Or it's kind of early postmodernism or something. It's quite strange. But very interesting. And a pre-modern, mm. post-modernism, very strange. When, when, when did he write this? Is there a date on that? Uh, I can find out quickly. It's gonna. While be... you're researching that, let me tell you a little bit more about uh, Kaur. Um, she's a Punjabi Canadian poet, um, and as I was saying, she's very big on Instagram with nearly four million people wow. following her. Um, the 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 book that preceded the one that I read um, is her. 2014 book milk and honey which was a number one in the new york times bestseller list Mm. and um, what i read from was the sun and her flowers which was published in 2017 so it's quite interesting because she's releasing these books obviously as instagram is getting Mm. quite big and that is what has actually enabled her to get big because um she 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 wrote poetry for a very long time but it wasn't until she started um producing it on um on instagram and actually doing live spoken word performances that she got a listenership and a readership so she was more or less unpublished before she started using instagram that instagram is kind of the thing that's made her exactly that's right yeah and yeah and she said that she was quite shy growing up so that she sort of it's been in all quite a um she's evolved i think through her poetry which is quite interesting Mm, yeah um would you say her poems are quite personal? I think they're very personal, mm. yeah. So um, I, I read uh, some of the most hopeful mm. of the poems, but um, she talks about some very uh, sad and disturbing um, issues about um, bad relationships and um, and um, sort of abuse and some really sadder okay. um, issues. But I, I thought that... Perhaps uh, it would be ill-advised to uh, give you one of those today. Yeah, we can and, save uh, them for another day. Exactly, and it was better to go with the, the poems of blooming yes. and of rising. <laughs> and they're very direct, well, especially compared to the Byron. They are very direct, yeah. And kind of, um, yeah, very clear in their metaphor or message. But I particularly like the um, the second to last one you read about the kind of comparing the um, sunflower and the sun to the her companion. I don't know if it's a boyfriend or a husband or just a friend. Where she... Yeah, well, it's very interesting. A lot of her poems are almost speaking to somebody. Mm. So I, I haven't researched who this person is and perhaps it changes through the two books. Yeah, exactly. Obviously, she's quite young. But, um, or perhaps it changes from poem to yeah. poem. 
but often she's talking to somebody in her poems. Mm, that's interesting, isn't it? And so, so perhaps it's her mother, or perhaps it's talking about what her mother or father have said. So mm. you get the importance of her the relationships. Yeah, that's interesting. And, mm. So, um, so Lee, you had just found something else. So you found a little bit more information on um, when that William Blake. Poem yeah. Was so written. that one was published seventeen ninety four. So that was... So pre-Byron? Yeah, about, I think, that's about 20 years before the Byron poem. And yes, it feels a lot more contemporary. Yeah, which is interesting, isn't it? I'm not I sure, maybe the Byron would feel more contemporary if you just read a short snippet of it. But I guess like most of the Romantic poets, he's quite, he's writing quite long poems. If I think of yeah, like how how, how many pages did that cover, so or how how long was it in lines? So that's two A four pages at size ten font. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that that is long. Yeah. Considering some of mine were sort of, um, yeah, le less than half an A five page. Yeah. <laughs> but some of the imagery is quite nice in this, and some of it does feel quite relevant. I was reading a little bit about it after um, I decided that I would read it for the podcast. And it was saying that although there's a lot of religious Im imagery, it was actually quite a kind of atheist poem um, because it was in some ways not taking the piss, but in some ways, I guess, pointing out how ludicrous it was to, for them to be so hysteric at that time, thinking that it was literally going to be like a biblical apocalypse just because the weather was not very nice. Well, I think he described it as mad disquieture or disquietude yeah. which which is quite an interesting turn of phrase so he's basically putting his opinion on that isn't he through he yeah. thinks it is mad and uh, yeah hysteria he's thinking that they are, people are hysterical about this world event and which feels again sort of relevant very to now, very relevant it? to now i think yeah well i uh well it, it made me um well the fact that famine is is referenced and obviously mm. the repeated talk of death feels incredibly relevant to now um mm. but i i wonder whether is is there a parallel to sort of um men gathered around blazing fires perhaps well, that could be all of us gathered around our laptops and the news <laughs> i don't know yeah it could be but there's another interesting um link to kind of technology in this because byron's only daughter or only legitimate daughter he had another one with his half-sister. Oh, <laughs> oh my. <laughs> <laughs> it was a different world, Charlie, it was a different world. And at the time, that was that was actually not illegal. Incest was not illegal. What? Whoa, have you researched yeah. when it became illegal? That would be interesting. But no, I haven't. But keep going. <laughs> you, you can do that while oh. I tell you about the link tell to technology. Me, tell me. So, but his legitimate daughter was Ada Lovelace, who is commonly credited as the first computer programmer. Wow. Because she worked with Charles Babbage, who made this, um, I can't remember what the machine's called, but it's essentially, it was a design for the first sort of computer in sort of mid 1800s. And she pub made a publication in which she wrote some notes about his design. And she was the first person to recognize that the computer could be used for things other than maths. So whereas everyone else thought that this computer was excellent because it would make mathematical things very simple, 
she was the first person who realized that you could attach other concepts to maths and that the computer could also kind of compute other concepts. That's fascinating. Well, I've read a couple of interesting things talking about uh, the current pandemic we're going through and what if this had happened pre, uh, I think it was 2006, but pre the World Wide Web, pre Skype Mm. being this good, we wouldn't be able to uh, build a podcast together with you in Helsinki and me in London. Uh, We would barely be able to communicate. And that is in itself is fascinating, isn't it? It's really mad, yeah. So, so, and certainly not uh, in 1908, which is when incest became a specific offence in England and Wales. <laughs> Isn't that mad? That is mad. Wow. Yeah, I'd recommend, um, if, even if you're not interested in Byron's poems, I'd recommend reading about his life and his, his love affairs because they are quite sordid. Um, and he had quite an amazing life. Incredible. And um, how how have you found out about his life? Have you um, found any good resources through your research? Um, Wikipedia. <laughs> <laughs> I hate to say it. I went on a little bit of a Wikipedia binge this morning about various uh, characters. Oh, it's intriguing. In I wonder if there's a podcast about his life or anything that we could research. Yeah, and that would find, be quite good. And, uh, we'll attach that in the notes as well. Yeah. But I, because um, I did study English literature at school and we did do a bit about the romantic poets and that's what made me think about this poem. For some reason I remembered this line, um, darkness, she was the universe. And I don't know, that was in my head today for some reason. Oh, well, it, <laughs> it, was, it was a tough day. Yeah, <laughs> it is Friday. <laughs> <laughs> but then, yeah, rereading it, it is very appropriate. I don't think I understood it at the time at school. I think the language in these kind of older poems is often quite blunting, isn't it? It's a struggle to get through. Yeah. Well, but I, th- I think it's quite... Um, I imagine it would have been harder to read uh, with less life experience, maybe. I, I don't think know. so too, yeah. I, I imagine at the time that you're sort of learning English, uh, perhaps there would be less you could relate to but maybe i'm incorrect no no i think that's definitely true there hadn't been a pandemic yet at least so <laughs> exactly <laughs> well, well that well, was well. good do you have anything else to say about uh rupee i do think it's interesting this concept of the instagram poet do you think that that affects her work do you think that's one reason that the poems are so short because they've been designed to be consumed very quickly well, they have been designed to be easily, simply digestible, but I think that's actually her process. So a little bit like, uh, so I think both in you and I know that uh, the design process is a period of where you rationalise something down. Yeah. Um, I think she goes through a very similar experience with her poems. She starts with something a lot longer and she rationalises and rationalises it until she has something quite short and digestible. Okay, and that's really then, interesting. Let me find what she says, because she says something quite wonderful about it. So bear with me here. Because they all seem to be Um, based around quite a pithy idea, which kind of makes me uh, surprised that they come from a longer poem. Exactly. Well, I think pithy is correct. Mm. So let me tell you what she says. And I'm reading um, an interview that was taken with her um, for Serial magazine, which I luckily had a copy of of, um, Hidden Away... Uh, at my home uh, in this strange time of self-isolation. <laughs> so, um, so bear with me. So, 
she began to scale down her longer poems, considering how they look graphically. And then this is the quote. I would extract these little gems and refine them until they started to make my stomach turn. That's when I knew this is what I want to put out. With the right length and the right look, cause readership blossomed. Mm. So, so I think it's the stomach turning. The nice, I think perhaps the poems I've read for you uh, will make your stomach turn a little less than some of the harsher ones. Mm. Um, but she, but she had quite a tough life. I think she moved um, when she was very young from uh, India to Canada. Um, and she, she had sort of a family still there and not all her family with her. So I think that that all comes out in a lot of her poems as well. But it's interesting um, almost picking a part of the book and reading the poems sort of from winter to summer in a way, mm. sort of going through that cycle with her. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah, I'll definitely check her out. It's also amazing that you can now just read lots of them on Instagram. You know, I don't have to go and buy a book of poetry or anything like that. Well, that Although I can, seems... but I mean, in this lockdown, <laughs> it's nice that you can get that sense and you're also consuming or reading it, experiencing it in a way that she's she wants you to Considered. read it. She's curated it for that purpose. Exactly, exactly. And I think one thing that you might also be able to find is, uh, and that, again is sort of a new form which I don't imagine was being done by either Byron or Blake mm. um, stand up poetry spoken yeah. word this is a recent thing and I think one thing um, I will put a note in the uh, the show notes for yep. and I will send through to you Lee um, is a little bit of her live spoken word because there's such an energy and dynamism to it even though the, the poems are quite short so okay, um, great. she's definitely an exciting poet. Yeah, that's awesome. Well, good to uh, find out something new. And I've really enjoyed our chat. Um, I have as well. Um, shall we say over and out, Lee? I think we should say aloha. Aloha. <laughs> aloha. <laughs> Goodbye, listeners. Goodbye. Join us again next time. Take care. Stay safe and stay poetry. Bye.